This afternoon's reading is Psalm 18, 1 through 19. We have Bibles in the back, and if you need a Bible, please put up your hand, and Alan will distribute it to you. And if you're using the in-house Bible, the verses, the verses are found on page 375. That's Psalm 18, 1 through 19. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangle me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. For his temple, he heard, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made the darkness his covering, his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bruce. Aaron, would you turn off the lights? I didn't ask him beforehand. Would you just go ahead and turn off the lights? Thank you. Yep, all of them. Perfect. That's what I wanted. It's a little different in the dark, isn't it? It's not... It's not a blackout condition in here. You can still see, but it, there's a different feel to it. We go through times of darkness in our lives. Psalm 18 speaks to being in times of darkness. It's written by the psalmist David. It's a prayer. And in it, he admits, I've been through some really dark times. <laughs> Some, some, some troubling and hard things have happened 
And yet God has brought me through. And through these dark times, he, he learned how to pray in the darkness. And that's what we're going to be learning about tonight, learning how to pray no matter our situation, pray when we are in the darkness. And so for a, a period of time, we're going to leave the lights off as a reminder that, you know, you might be in a great point. This might be a wonderful, it feels like spring outside, and it feels like spring in your heart. Sometimes we have others, brothers and sisters, who are going through a dark time. So we want to be praying for them, but also understanding how we can pray when we go through those times. Now let me go ahead and start by praying in the dark. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to us in our situations, whether they're sunny and bright are dark, and it, and it feels like nighttime in our souls. I pray that you would open your word to us, that we would find brightness here, that we would find hope and courage, and most importantly, that we would find you, that we would encounter the living God as we look at the words that you have given us, your words. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I want to start by looking at the header. So uh, we, we started in verse 1, and that's fine, but I want to read the header for you of Psalm 18. For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So King David lived about a thousand years before the birth of Christ, and he went through some really dark periods in his life where people wanted to kill him. A man named Saul who was the king, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But the Lord took him through those times, preserved him, and brought him out. And then through that, he learned how to, to pray, to call out to the Lord. Many of these psalms, uh, David wrote many, many of them. When we've looked at several of them in this series, many of these psalms are, it's kind of, it's kind of like David's prayer journal. <laughs> it's a song book, but do you ever take a journal and when you're going through tough times or you just kind of write out your thoughts or maybe you write a prayer? Well, I think that's a little bit of what David does in our psalm. So we're looking at Psalm 18, and this series is called uh, Praying with God. See, these are prayers that God has given us. Now, we're going through the series. We're going this, through the Psalms so that each of us can become just a little bit more comfortable reading God's Word and then praying on God's Word. In other words, kind of meditating, thinking about what God is saying in His Word, and then incorporating that into our prayers, we can pray the Psalms. If you want to pray like a, a perfect prayer, just read the Psalm out loud as a prayer because it's God's perfect word. And there are Psalms for different situa situations. And we're looking at a Psalm. It's about praying in the dark. And eventually, as we're going to see, it's praying as you come out of the dark, praying with gratitude, with thanksgiving. David is is so grateful that God has brought him through this time period to a sunrise. But before we get there, we're going to kind of journey through this psalm with David. 
journey, journey through some of his experiences. We're going to look at, at three ways to pray. They each start with the letter D. The first one is to pray in desperation. Pray in desperation. We're going to be looking at the first five verses. Now, when we think of desperation, most of us think, like, that's a very negative thing. <laughs> but I actually want to start it out by saying there can be a positive aspect to desperation. Because we're talking about desperate love. <laughs> desperate love. Verse 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. This word for love is the word raham, raham. And it's not used very often in the Bible to, to describe love. The word hesed and ahav, those are, those are Hebrew words that are used more often in the Old Testament, over 200 times to describe love. But this word's only used 47 times. And usually it's used of God's love for us. It's a compassionate love, a merciful love. You know, when you love someone, you have almost a pity. You, you, you have mercy on them. And this word, raham, it's related, it's related to the word rahim, which means womb. They share the same root. See, the, the love in this word is like a tender and intimate love. And David is bold enough to say, God, I feel this towards you. <laughs> I know you feel this towards me, but I actually feel this towards you as well. I love you. <laughs> I love you from like the most intimate and tender place that I can. Like a mother loves her unborn baby, I love you. Oh, I was listening to some sermons on this this week, and one pastor pointed out that in the Old Testament, like God commands us to love him, and on very few places do we actually see people loving God. Maybe you are familiar with this passage in Deuteronomy, the great Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is like the greatest commandment. Jesus even said this is the greatest commandment. When someone asked him, when an expert in the law asked him, which is the greatest commandment, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He quoted Deuteronomy 6.5. This is what we're called to do. This is what the people of God have been called to do from the beginning. The, the Israelite nation, they were called to love God. And yet, so often, <laughs> they didn't. Sometimes we struggle with that too, with loving God. Do we approach God because we love him in prayer? Like, do we come before him saying, I just love you. I just want to be in your presence. When you love someone, you want to be around them. Or do we, we come with like a list of needs and demands? God, I'm here to get my own. I'm here to get what I want. My, my divine wish list that you can make happen. A couple years ago, I had a friend message me through Facebook. And this is a friend from my high school days. And I hadn't talked to her. I'd seen her kind of on Facebook, but I hadn't really talked to her in, in years. And she messaged me and she was like, you want to catch up? It'd be fun to, to talk and to, to kind of catch up. And, uh, you know, it's nice. I'm trying to reconnect with some old friends. I was like, oh, this is a bit out of the blue. And my heart thought, 
it was a little weird, but I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I gave her my number, and she called me, and she began to say, you know, are you interested in earning a little bit of extra money? <laughs> I have a great business deal for you. I was so annoyed. Have you ever had anyone do that to you? And it's just, it's such a bait and switch. And yet, I think we can do this with God. We're like, going to call God up. God, it'd be great to see you. It'd be great to talk with you. God, I have a great investment opportunity for you, a great business. Like, look at the, look at what you'll get back if you answer this. If you, if you say yes in this part of my life, like, I will, you'll get all these rewards, all of these payouts. I don't know about you, but I want to approach God with love. And yet so often, <laughs> love is like this thing that we have trouble controlling, right? We don't always feel love. And yet, if we're asking God to help us love him more, I think he'll say yes. I think he'll help foster that. I just want to take a moment right now and pray that. Just like 20 seconds. Heavenly Father, would you create a greater love in us, in our hearts, our souls, our minds, our bodies? Would you create a greater love in us for you? Some of us, this comes naturally. We just, we just head over heels in love with you. And some of us, <laughs> we have hard hearts, and it takes a little time. Would you soften our hearts to you? Would we love you? Would we love your word? Would we love your Holy Spirit? Would we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Would we experience your love and grow in our love for you? In Jesus, your son's name, amen. So first, we pray in desperation, in desperate love. Now, does that mean it's wrong to come before your father with a wish list? No. I certainly did it with my parents all the time. In fact, God says to come with our needs, come with our wants. And so I think it's fair to say we should come in desperate need. Verses two through five. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. See, here David is coming before the Lord in desperate need. He's recalling how he was at just a low point in his life, at a really dark place. He's remembering how God brought him through these dark times. So when David was a boy, he became famous. He defeated the, the giant Goliath. It's the story with the, the sling and the stones. He defeated the giant Goliath, and then he really came under King Saul's kind of authority and command. He became one of King Saul's men. And then he just became a mightier and mightier warrior. There was like this chant that said, you know, 
Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And this made King Saul really jealous and really angry. And if there's anyone you don't want to make jealous and angry, it's the king. So the king tried to murder David on multiple occasions, and he was innocent. He did not deserve it. And it got so bad that King Saul was literally like chasing David around the countryside. This was unjust because God had actually said, I want David to be king. And David didn't use that opportunity to kill King Saul, to overthrow him, to murder him. Instead, he hid. <laughs> he hid in rocks and he hid in crags and crevices and in places where it wasn't easy to find him. He hid and here in this scripture passage, we see him attributing his hiding place to God. God, you are my rock. You're the place that I hid. You're my refuge. You're my stronghold. You're the deliverer. You're my shield. You're my horn and my salvation. We see all these beautiful images for David describing God as his place of safety. And the threat was real. The threat was death, dark death. Verses four and five kind of use illustrations or metaphors or words for death four times. The cords of death, the torrents of destruction, the cords of the grave, the snares of death. This threat was physical and it was real. But it was also spiritual. There's a spiritual dimension to this threat, this this time of darkness that King David was experiencing. It's actually in the phrase, the torrents of destruction. Now, actually, it's, it's in the phrase, destruction overwhelmed me. The, the Hebrew says the word for destruction is the word belial. Belial. Belial terrified me. And maybe some of you know that in the book of 2 Corinthians, it says like, what... What part does Christ have with Belial? This is the same word. Belial is a name for Satan, for the accuser, for, for Lucifer. See, I think there is a spiritual dimension that as David was going through his life and experiencing these real and physical hardships, this overwhelming darkness, he was also experiencing spiritual oppression. See, he was the man that belonged to the Lord. Satan doesn't like that. Satan's going to attack that. So this was an overwhelming darkness. He was in desperate need of a refuge. And God provided one, both a physical rock, a hiding place, but then also God himself as the rock, the rock he could hide in. I wanted to show you a, a picture. You saw a sneak peek a little while ago. This is one of the most reproduced photos in the world. It's a very famous photo. Maybe you guys have seen this. This was hanging at my office at Emmanuel Church. And most people, when they, when they see this photo, or so I watched a, a little clip on it, said that many people thought that this man died right after this photo was taken. They assumed that he was swept off and destroyed in the waves at this lighthouse. This, this lighthouse is in uh, it's East Brittany, 
It's, in, it's off the coast of France. And actually, he didn't die. He stepped right back in when he heard the wave coming. He, he, saw, he heard a helicopter outside, and that's what caused him to step outside. And then he heard a wave. It's like, oh, not a good idea. So the helicopter, who was trying to get this photo, almost killed him. But when people look at us, they see like waves. Like when they see our darkness, when they see our troubles, when they, th- they see what we're going through, they probably think, man, that person's going to get swept away. <laughs> that person's going to get crushed by the wave, by the rock, by their troubles, by, by their pains, by whatever they're going through. They're not going to make it. But little do they know, we have a hiding place. <laughs> We have a refuge. We have someone that we can just duck into, who we can hide in and find our refuge. And when the waves come, the waves of darkness, of sadness, of depression, of job loss, the waves of disappointment and frustration in parenting, the waves of of financial hardship, we have a God that we can hide in, who we can just duck right in, And the waves will crash over us, but we will be fine because we will be in our refuge. We can be the man in the lighthouse or the woman in the lighthouse who lived. See, we're, we pray in desperation. I want to transition to our next point. See, because sometimes before the lights come back on, It actually gets darker. Sometimes issues and times and trials get tougher before they get easier. God doesn't say how big the waves are going to be. He doesn't say how long the storm is going to last. And so we pray not just in desperation, but we pray in darkness. Verses 6 through 15 In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. There's good news in this verse. This verse is incredibly encouraging because it means that God can hear us in the dark. That seems kind of obvious, right? Like Whether it's light or dark doesn't have anything to do with our ears But we believe the lie. We believe the lie from Belial, from the accuser, from Satan, that God can't hear us when we're going through dark times. Do you ever believe that? Like, I'm so down and so depressed, and I'm experiencing such troubles, like God can't be here. God is gone. Well, God can hear us in the darkness. God knows what we're going through. God accepts your prayers. David called to the Lord. David cried in distress. And from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I love that picture of (laughs) speaking like directly into someone's ear. That's like really annoying when someone just gets really close. (laughs) And yet we have a God who hears us. He hears us in the dark. There's something we need to know that sometimes God actually brings this darkness into our lives. See, God is present in our darkness, even bringing 
the darkness. I want to read verses 7 through 11 for you, and I want you to pay attention to who brings the darkness. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. We'll stop there. So who brings the darkness? The Lord. God does. See, God came in judgment and in power and in fury to deliver King David from his situation, from his circumstances. David was his own. He was going to protect David. But it's still a little terrifying when God shows up. Now, we don't know of any story in the life of David where like a, a, a storm delivered him. If you find one, let me know. So I think he's actually recounting another period of time. He's using some imagery here that reminds us of Moses at Sinai. Maybe you guys remember how God came down on top of the mountain and met with Moses and there was a dark cloud and there was fire and thunder and lightning. And the people, how did they feel? Were they excited? Oh, God is here. It's a good day. No, they were terrified. They were absolutely petrified at the presence of God. And that darkness was actually God's way of protecting them. The darkness protected them from seeing God and dying. The darkness was an act of deliverance. See, I believe God can actually give us darkness to protect us. He he has the, the authority. There's nothing that comes into our life outside of his will. God is present in the darkness, and he even brings the darkness. In seminary, so I went to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and in seminary, I, I, I took a class on spiritual formation, and I studied this guy named uh, Juan de la Cruz. And he became known as St. John of the cross. St. John of the cross, he was a Catholic priest. He lived uh, and ministered in the second half of the 1500s. And uh, he struggled with darkness his entire life. He, start, he, he, he struggled with depression. And he, uh, he was a mystic. Uh, and that, uh, I guess a, a simple way of explaining that, it means that he was okay with the weird parts of Christianity. He was okay with the weird parts of the faith. And so he just embraced the Lord in the darkness, in his darkness. I don't have any quotes from him, but just kind of an overview of this poem he wrote. He wrote this poem called Dark Night of the Soul. Dark Night of the Soul. And then he wrote some commentaries explaining it. And one of his big ideas was that God is present in the darkness. In fact, the darkness is not real darkness. It's actually the Father's light. It's his, he's so bright and so powerful that we can't but receive it as darkness. 
I like that. I like this idea that God is so powerful and he's so present that we just like, we just can't comprehend it. It just seems wrong to us. It just seems like God is far away, but actually he's right there. He has not abandoned us. That God is present in our dark night. I think that's really encouraging that the Lord will walk with us through the darkness. But there is hope Verses 13 through 15 talk about God scattering the darkness. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of the breath from your nostrils. See, God delivered David from his real enemies, and I believe from his spiritual enemies as well. He can deliver us. If God can send a lightning bolt to scatter the real darkness, he can send his hope and his light to, dis- to scatter our metaphorical darkness, our despair, our despondency. He can deal with it. God can scatter my darkness. God can protect me in the face of my enemies, my real and tangible ones, but also my hidden demons. God can scatter my darkness. See, sometimes we pray in desperation and things get worse. So we have to pray in darkness. But the good news of the faith, the good news of the Bible, the good news is that the light always comes. That the light always comes back on. Aaron, would you turn back on the lights as we go to our third way to pray. Pray in deliverance. There it is. Desperation leads to darkness, leads to deliverance. The sun will rise again on any who puts their faith in the God of this Bible, who trusts in him above themselves. Let's look at verses 16 through 19. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. God reached down to David in his circumstances and in his darkness and pulled him out. Sometimes when we feel most on the edge, most exposed, most like the waves are about to crash down, God can come down and pull us out, deliver us. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. There's a, an image in verse 15, the valleys of the sea were exposed, and we see a little bit more of it as he talks about, he drew me out of the deep waters, and that, that really goes back to the Red Sea, and how God like, literally parted the sea so Moses and the people could walk out of bondage. 
It is my prayer for you that if you are in the darkness right now, that the Lord would deliver you soon. See, we have hope, we have the promise, we have assurance that if, if you know Christ Jesus, if you know God, if you know the Lord, and he knows you, that one day God will deliver you. Whether it's if Christ comes back or, or you go to be with him. But we also believe that God can provide deliverance in this life. That God can, can deal with our problems and our issues now. And if he never takes away that one issue that we're struggling with, he can still walk with us through the waves. He can still walk with us in the darkness, providing the energy and the, the, the encouragement we need to go forward. Pray in deliverance. I want to actually flip to the last verse in Psalm 18 because David has this way of looking forward looking far forward to Christ Jesus in his Psalms, Psalms 18, verse 50. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. Who is the final king? Who is the anointed? Who is the final descendant of David? It's Jesus, that's right. It's the Messiah. Christ Jesus is the one who ultimately provides deliverance, who ultimately pro provides victory, and who can deliver us from our sins. And he does it by living this psalm. He reached down. Jesus reached down. He stepped down. He stepped down into our world and our sin and our darkness and our despair and our desperation. And then he walked a life where he actually experienced some of those things as well. The night... Uh, when Jesus was betrayed, he, he was praying to God. He's saying, God, Father, take this, this cup from me. <laughs> Jesus was desperate. Jesus experienced the emotion of desperate need, desperate love for his Father. And then as he was crucified, what happened? The, the whole earth was covered in darkness for three hours. Jesus went to the darkest point, the, the deepest blackness that any of us could ever go. And he died. But he died, and then three days later, he rose again. See, God delivered Christ Jesus. And now if you say, repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ, Christ delivers you. If you don't know Jesus, I can't, I can't actually say that there is going to be a sunrise at the end of your darkness. I hope that tonight's message will make you think about the one who can provide the sunrise the one who can provide hope. It's Jesus Christ. If we believe in him, if we put our faith in him, he can pull us out of the, the deep waters. He can provide a way forward. My big idea is pray in desperation and darkness and in deliverance. Christ Jesus is the one who can provide for each of us, no matter what we're going through. The lights are back on. And one day, like all of our desperation, all of our, our, our darkness, all of our sadness, all of those things that we struggle with in this life, Christ will just completely wipe away. <laughs> they will be absolutely gone. Death will be no more. <laughs> and all the, the side effects of death will be completely gone. And we'll, we'll get to enjoy this 
for all of eternity. Pray in desperation, in darkness, and deliverance. I think it's important for us to hear each other's prayers as we're going through this series. So, Henry, would you come on up and pray the the closing prayer for my sermon before the worship team comes up? Let's pray together, guys. Dear Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you that we're all gathered here together as your community, Lord, as one body gathered in your name, God, to praise you. God, I know that in this world that we have a lot of suffering, but uh, you overcame everything. Your life here on earth, you literally took everything that we struggle with, God, and you put it to death on that cross. And I know that in this world, God, there is a fiery ordeal waiting for us, that we will suffer on this earth. But God, at the end of all things, you will unify us together with you, God, and you will make everything complete, God. I thank you that in our darkness, we get to praise you. I thank you that we get to pray with you and be a part of your family, God, that before the creation of the world, you chose us, God, to be like you, to be conformed to the image of your son, to be made in your image, God, and I praise you for this, God. Deliver us from our sins, God. Release us from this, God. Thank you for all your love, God. It's your name I pray, amen.